on today's episode of the Talent Cast, I swear a lot. I mean, a hell of a lot. I mean, a hell of a lot. You good? Good. All right, see you in a second. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch-free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy, a little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, If you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us or talk to us directly on Twitter, again, at The War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Uh, quick housekeeping, just so you know, the webinar series I'm doing, uh, we had our first episode on Wednesday. It was fantastic. Thanks, Ian Hamilton, for joining us. The next one is, I think, is in based on when I release this in a week and a half with Kirsten Davidson. If you want more information on what the series looks like, and you can sign up so you can get recordings and all that good stuff, it's bit.ly slash employerbrandwebinar. Um, or, you know, you can search those people's names and that should pop right up. And I'll throw it in the cat in the show notes here. You know, that sort of thing. So <clears throat> here we go. Uh, wow. So I have a theory. I think you're going to enjoy the theory. I think you're going to play along pretty strongly here. When it comes to candidates, you should shoot for a very simple thought. Each candidate, when it push comes to shove, after all the consideration, after the interviews, after the phoners, after the background checks, after the, you know, the conversations, after the resume review, after looking at their LinkedIn, after all that stuff should come down to one simple question. Hell yeah or hell no, right? Right? Isn't that what we want our candidates? Hell yeah or hell no. There should not be a middle ground. There should not be a sure, I guess, if I got nothing else. I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? We should be clear as day that, that person is a hell yeah or a hell no, right? And not saying hell no means that person's bad. We've talked about this. The concept of fit means that person, if you're looking for a developer, and that person's a great developer, but they can still be a hell no because they don't fit the culture or because they just didn't mesh or because they didn't, you know, they didn't fit or they didn't get the mission of what the company's all about and the company's all about mission if, you know, if that's the case. You can have great people not be good matches, right? Take your two best friends and put them together. If one's a boy and one's a girl, is that going to make for a great relationship? Or if they're gay, two boys, two girls, I don't care. But just because they're good, they're great people doesn't mean they're a great match, right? It's just that simple. Focusing on matches, it should be a hell no or hell yes situation. And I want to go give credit to uh, Derek Sivers, who, you know, where, where I stole this idea from. <clears throat> In terms of how to prioritize things in life, if someone asks you, hey, do you want to go to the beach, your answer should be hell yeah, or the answer is no. It should just be a no. There's no other choice. There's no other, okay, I guess that's how you prioritize your things in life. Hell yeah, or no, not so much. In which case, you don't want to say no just because say no, because that sounds so lackluster. It feels like maybe I'm giving something up. That's the source of FOMO, right? I, I said no to something, but maybe it's going to be amazing. 
you got to trust yourself and say, you know what, that's not going to be amazing, so I'm not going to do that. So you turn it from a meh or a no into a hell no. And that's how you polarize things, right? That's how you split things up very easily. And it makes it very easy to say, to walk away from something you've just said hell no to, right? <laughs> you know, if something is a maybe, it's hard to walk away from a maybe. So hard to walk away from a maybe. Ask every salesperson who's ever pitched something and their, their, their target said, maybe you're now on the hook. You're a fish on the hook. And it's, it's a horrible place to be. You, every salesperson wants every pitch to turn into a hell yeah, or no, which is really a hell no. I'm not. I don't have that kind of money. I don't want to spend. I don't see the value in that. That doesn't work for me. Whatever it is, it's a hell no. Maybe kills you, and maybe kills recruiters too and hiring managers, because they see good candidates all the time, all the time. For all the complaints we say about there's not enough great talent, uh, there's plenty of great talent. The question is, we either do a bad job choosing it, or we don't communicate why they should be choosing us. There's a whole mess of reasons, but in the end, you see, if you're looking for accountants, you see great accountants. If you're looking for developers, you see great developers. If you're looking for great marketers, you see great marketers. We see great all the time. And a lot of times, we choose great over hell yeah. We say, okay, well, they have the technical skills, so they're gonna, they're perfect, let's get them in. And then they always, it ends up in a disaster, right? That's always a lesson we all, as hiring managers, we always have to learn. How to say no, how to walk away from something that on paper should be good, but something in your gut says no. And your job is to turn a no into a hell no. Turn a maybe into a no into a hell no. Because hell yeah, after all the interviews and conversations and phoners and screens and all that good stuff, hell yeah should be patently obvious in a best case scenario. So how do you get to a situation in which it's a choice between hell yeah or hell no. So like I said, first off, you can't have gradations. You can't say maybes. You can't say I guess or I'm meh or not. I don't think that's really working for me. Those are all hell no's in, in, in boring clothing. You want to turn each one of those into a hell no. You want to draw a very, very clear line. No, you don't want a line. You want a chasm. You want a chasm between hell yeah and hell no. That's what saying hell no really says. It says there is no middle ground. There is a I want this person and I can see the value of that person. Or you know what? Don't ever bring that person to me again. I'm sure they're wonderful. I'm sure they're fine. I'm happy to walk away and never think about them again, right? You want a chasm. Now, saying hell yes to someone is a little dangerous, right? Because it does open up the, the opportunity for that person who realizes I'm in a hell yeah position to say, I'm going to ask for more money. And maybe they stretch your budget. But honestly, if you said hell yeah to that person, aren't they worth it? Isn't it worth it to give that person what they want, that hell yeah You've trust your gut. You see this person is fantastic. You said, hell yeah, you give them what they want. Or you find a way to give them what they want. Or you find a way to find middle ground that makes everybody happy. But that's not really the question. That's not really the problem here. To get to a hell yeah or hell no situation, you have to give them something to respond to. Meaning, if you walked up to someone on the street and you started asking them questions, would you get to a hell yeah or hell no position? Maybe you'd get to a hell no. There are plenty of people who would filter themselves out. They don't have the technical skills. Um, they're patently a jerk or a patently overly officious or nice or whatever the thing is that you don't like. Whatever. There, there, there are plenty of hell no's that are patently obvious that they don't need help. But a hell yeah is a function of fit, which means it's a two-sided decision. It's a two-sided market. That person has to love you. you. You don't want to say hell yeah to someone who isn't saying hell yeah to you, 
right? You don't want some kind of, yeah, I guess I'll take you. You want a hell yeah on the other side of the coin. You want them to be in love with you as much as you are in love with them. Hell yeah isn't so much a state of mind. It is a match. It's a way of feeling about a match. Both partners go, yeah. Think about a wedding. Think about wedding. Do you want those two people to be maybes? You want them to be hell yeahs. Both of them, not just one. Any marriage where there's one hell yeah and one I guess, that's not going to last long. I hope they don't have kids. That's going to be messy. Right? You want to hell yes. And you might know your hell yeah. Maybe you've decided that person is famous, or maybe you've decided that person has obvious technical skill, and maybe you've read their book or read their blogs or watched their video series or listened to their podcast, and you're like, that person's amazing. That's exactly who I want. Hell yeah. That is half the job. Half the job. Because now you have to make them say, Oh, hell yeah, I want to work for you. Oh, hell yeah, I want to join your mission. Oh, hell yeah, this is a brand I want on my resume for effectively the rest of my life that will follow me no matter where I go. Oh, hell yeah, I want to do that kind of work with you as a boss and those people as my teammates. And hell yeah, I want to be associated with you. That's what you want. You want both parties to say hell yeah. But you can't get them to say hell yeah unless they have something to say hell yeah too right? They have to say hell yeah to something meaningful. You don't say hell yeah to a blue sky or a puppy. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe there's bad days and you just like, you just need something. You just need something good. You're like, oh, a puppy. Oh, hell yeah. I need a puppy. Okay. Maybe that's not the right one, but you don't say hell yeah to store brand vanilla ice cream. You got to be in a bad situation when store brand vanilla ice cream makes you say hell yeah. You got to be hot <laughs> and uncomfortable and maybe off sugar for a year uh inside joke uh, but really y you don't say hell yeah to vanilla I store brand vanilla ice cream do you say hell yeah to ben and jerry's maybe do you say hell yeah to ben and jerry's uh, uh 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 the caramel one with the caramel core oh hell yeah oh hell your way where it's a brownie i don't know Pick your uh, Haagen-Dazs or, you know, pick your ice cream brand of choice where it's dense and rich and full of stuff. That's a hell yeah. Nobody says hell yeah to store, brought, store brand vanilla ice cream. And the problem is most employer brands are exactly that. They're whatever the employer brand equivalent of the store brand vanilla ice cream is. They're just enough to be qualified as an employer brand. Right, the Vistor brand vanilla ice cream has so much air in it and so much fluff in it. You pick it up, pick up the the the, the half gallon container or the quart container and see how much lighter it is than a Ben and Jerry's or a, a Haagen Dazs or whatever your premium, super premium brands are. See how light it is relative to that because it's full of air, it's full of fluff, it's taking up space but not actually giving you what you want, i.e., ice cream and flavor and sugar. Right? That's what you want. You want the fat and the sugar and the flavor to power through, but you're buying air. One, that's why that brand is so much cheaper than the super premium brands, but it's, it, you don't want that. But so many employer brands are filled with air, and I'm not even going to go to make a hot air joke. I'm not even going there. I know I could. It's right there. It's right staring there right in there, staring me in the face. I'm literally having to look past that joke. Make it in your head. I'll let you do it for yourself. All right, great. That was hilarious. Okay, so... Most employer brands are effectively just full of air. They're padded. They're fluffed up. They're, they're propped up on meaningless words like best in class and uh, superior 
you know, commitment to blah, 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 blah. And the word blah, 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 blah is also <laughs> might as well be most people's employer brands. It's not clear. It's not meaningful. It doesn't have any edges to it. There's no clear definition as to what it means. There's no repercussions. We believe in X, therefore we don't mind losing Y. That's an employer brand. We are so committed to saving the rainforest that we refuse to work with people who aren't. That's an employer brand. That's part of employer brand anyway. But our, but that says we're planting the, fl the, the flag in the sand. We're planting it right here. This is what we're all about, and this is what we're willing to give. And by doing so, people who also care about the rainforest go, hell yeah. And people who don't care about the rainforest go, you're giving up customers? Hell no. And there we are. And that happens because you took a stand, because you gave them something meaningful to respond to. That job, it might, and it doesn't have to be employer brand. We can go all the way deeper into the recruiting marketing funnel. It can be about this is the boss, and the boss is a jerk, and that's a hell no. Or the boss is fantastic and committed to your growth. Hell yeah. Maybe I don't care about the mission, but I, I'm, I'm going to give you a hell yeah about that hiring manager. There are so many at each stage of the funnel, at each part of the consideration cycle, there's an opportunity for a hell yeah or a hell no. I mean, I started employer brand, but that's just the beginning of it. It's the building. It's the coffee. It's the, the computer you get. If you're a Mac person and they're going to force you to work on a PC, that's eh, probably a hell no. Or worse yet, you are a mobile person and you like to work around and they're going to say, no, you have to sit at a desk. And by the way, we're not even giving you a laptop. It's a desktop computer. I don't know where you buy those anymore, but they exist. Um, and you're not allowed to leave your desk. You're not allowed to work from home. Yeah, that's a hell no. That's a flat-out hell no. That's a work situation. It, the mission might align exactly with who I want to be, and that sounds like a great boss, but if I'm not allowed to work in the style I'm, I, I need to work to be, do my best, that's a hell no. Hell no. <sighs> dating was supposed to be a hell yeah or hell no for a bajillion years, for whenever dating really started. I think historically dating only started in the you know 19th century. There really wasn't much dating in medieval times, right? You just had... You know, you you procreated and said, "Okay, I guess we're stuck with each other." Or, uh, you know, and for all the Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet's, I don't think you can call Romeo and Jet what Romeo and Juliet did dating. They were, you know, <laughs> first off, children. Uh, second off, uh, they were just screwing around behind their parents' back. Great for them, I guess. So, but that's not dating. Dating is really the courtship, something that everybody did, and not just kings and queens. Uh, start was start in the the nineteenth century, right? Not too long ago. And it was supposed to get you to a hell yeah or hell no. And while it didn't always work that way, that's what we wanted. We wanted to say hell yeah to somebody. We want someone to say hell yeah to us. And think about how complicated that is. To get someone to say hell yeah to you, you have to tell them who you really are. You can't get someone to say hell yeah to the, the, the obvious stuff. By the way, I have a really nice house and I have a really nice sports car and uh, I work out a little bit and uh, I got a little bit of money in, bag, in, the, in the bank. People don't say hell yeah to that. They say, okay, for now, but they don't say hell yeah. But if you say, look, I also save puppies in my spare time and I think you're fantastic and I want to spend all my time with you, that's a lot closer to a hell yeah than it was before. And that's because that person had to open up and say, this is what I'm all about, and this is what I'm willing to give to you because this, this relationship is a two-way street. This is what I'm open to. 
It means being a little bit brave and being willing to admit that you're not perfect because people aren't perfect, just like brands and companies aren't perfect, right? And so stop showing me just smiling faces on your employer site, just saying. People aren't perfect, and you're opening up and saying, look, these are my imperfections. Look, when I married my wife, I had not, this was not my first go round. That was not my first marriage. And I had to open up and say, look, <clears throat> I have screwed up. I have had bad decisions. I have <clears throat> big blind spots when it comes to relationships. And I'm working on them, but here they are. And that was a brave moment, not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying, that's not something that happens in first date territory. But that's how you get someone to say, hell yeah, because they see your flaws and go, I'm willing to accept those things. And I'm actually kind of okay with that because I have my own flaws and I think they match kind of well with yours. That's how you get hell yeah. Now this tiny weird little diversion wasn't just here to tell you that I met my wife on Craigslist and tell you a funny story about that. That's for another podcast. But that's our model for dating. So what the hell happens when Match and OkCupid and, oh, here it comes, Tinder, what happens when they show up? And dating is no longer about finding a hell yeah so much because that's a very retail model, right? If you're dating, you walk up to someone or there's someone in your office or someone in your class or someone in your apartment building or just someone you meet at a bar, you got to walk up to them, one person, and say, hey, my name is whatever. Would you like to get coffee? That's a one-on-one -on -one thing. You don't walk into a bar and say, excuse me, everyone, ding, 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 ding. Can I get your attention, please? I want to take as many of you to the bar as possible or buy you a drink or coffee. Who's interested? No one takes you up on that, by the way. Not that I know for sure, but I got to imagine. That model of finding someone was a one-to-one -one situation. It was very retail. You had to talk to one person and ask them if they wanted their coffee and then spend the time taking them to coffee if you're the dude or you're, I don't know, standard gender roles, blah, 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 um, if that applies. And you had a conversation with that person and you decided this person's a hell no or this person could be a hell yeah. I don't have enough information yet, so I'm going to have another date. So I'm going to take, we're going to go to dinner. And we're going to have a long conversation over drinks and dinner. And then I'm going to walk that person home. And, and I'm taking talking for the boy. The, the gender roles probably. You get what I'm saying, okay? Um, you have a conversation, right? And then you have another conversation. And maybe there's some, you know, fun stuff that uh, gets connected to that, which makes, you know, the time past even more pleasant. But it takes time to find the hell yeah. And it starts with a one-on-one -on -one connection. And here we are with Match and OkCupid and Tinder where you say, yes. I guess so, to a bajillion people. Here's a fun game. Go on Tinder, make a fake profile if you don't have one already, or probably you should make a fake profile for this particular experiment, and just say yes to everybody. You gonna fall in love? <laughs> no. You're not gonna get a hell yeah. You're gonna get other people who went, I guess so, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you're reacting to almost no information. You're reacting to a handful of pictures, uh, maybe a couple of lines, maybe... Um, some pictures on uh, Instagram, maybe if they filled out the profile what music they like on Spotify, that's it. How do you get to hell yeah from that? You can't, but you can say maybe a bajillion times. And that's horrible. Not that there's anything wrong with Tinder, I'm sure it's fine, but taking that kind of model for recruiting is a horrible way of get because it doesn't get you to hell yeah. It gets you to millions of maybes. And if the ultimate goal is hell yeah or hell no, maybe is a trap. It's a, you're, you're, a, you're a fish on a hook because you don't know if it's a yes or no and you don't know where to spend your time to find out who's good and who's bad or who's a good fit and who's a, who's a hell yeah and who's, no, who's a hell no. It's a trap. 
But by lowering the bar and making it incredibly easy and safe for people to say, I guess, which sounds like a great way to fill a pipeline, right? It doesn't lead to hell yeah. That's why the goal here is to get to hell yeah. And to do that, you've got to be a little more open. You've got to be a little more giving. You've got to be a little bit brave. Dare I say it, brave. I think I said it three times, so I guess I dare. Uh, hold on, coffee sip. Mm. Hey, uh, just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who have done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. You don't know, but today's coffee is fantastic. I don't know what it is. Some days it just is amazing. Some days, meh. But today's a hell yeah coffee day. Hey, uh, so that's really, I mean, it, you, you're shooting for hell yeah. Now, the fact that you say hell yeah to a candidate and the candidate says hell yeah to you, does that guarantee success? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no way. And frankly, the world changes so fast that what's a hell yeah today isn't necessarily a hell yeah tomorrow. Right? You just don't need that skill. I've been in situations where, um, you know, the skill I brought of high growth, fast fall, you know, going crazy and, and trying new things and moving fast and breaking things was a hell yeah to my employer. And one day it became a hell no. I didn't change. Their needs changed. Right? So it doesn't guarantee success, but it does kind of indicate that this is good now. And if we can be flexible, we can kind of find something, uh, find something good together. And that's ultimately what you want. You don't want a lot of mess. You don't want a lot of, okay, I guess. You don't want a lot of, I guess we'll put the butt in the seat and we'll see what happens. Uh, I know one company that went from moving there, so they were hiring salespeople. And, you know, this, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say high volume, but not low volume. There's certainly some volume. It wasn't a one-on-one -on -one thing, but they were filling classes full of entry-level salespeople. And initially they had a quota. They needed to get X number of butts and X number of seats and... They didn't have a bar, a threshold by which they said if they're not this good, they won't come in. What they did is they said, if I need 50 people, I will take the best 50 people, even though I know that 10 or 15 of the bottom ones probably wouldn't have made the cut otherwise, right? And it turns out that it was a horrible idea because the people who were at the bottom slowed down the people at the top. Not only were the people at the bottom going to fail out or going to be poor salespeople in the end and never going to succeed, but they actually dragged down the people who should have been and were, in fact, hell yes, because the company didn't focus on the hell yes. They focused on the enoughs, I guess. Good enough. And I know that's true because the second the company switched from a, I guess, to a hell yeah model where they drew a line and say, if the person is not this good, you know, it's like a, like a roller coaster. You, you cannot ride this ride unless you're this tall. You could not be considered for the role unless you were good at X, Y, and Z. Once they did that, and the classes got smaller, but their retention numbers went through the roof. People stuck around. People were all hell yes. They all saw each other. 
a million years ago, when I was when I was very young, starting out, <clears throat> I got hired to do tech support for a very, 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 very big computer company. Um, you want to call it Hal? That's fine. And if you get that joke, that's fine too. Um, and I worked for Hal, and it was my first job out of grad school that I was dropping out of grad school. I don't want to get into that conversation. And my resume was thin, no question. But I knew a little bit about the internet, and I knew a little bit about computers because I just, you know, futzed around. And it was 1995 and 1996, and that's kind of what you did. And for a nerd like me, anyway. And I got a job working for Hal doing tech support. And they hired a whole class of people. They literally hired 40 people at a time. And they filled them in class, and they went, went three weeks of training on this is what, you know, how to reboot a computer, and this is how to, what BIOS is, and this is what a post beep is. Uh, and these are all hardware terms that, you know, if you don't care, you don't want to. That's fine. It's literally useless knowledge in my brain right now. But it still sticks. And I was sitting in a class with people who um, – could take apart a computer and put it back together with their with their eyes closed. People who have probably since dabbled in writing their own operating systems or, or at least programming languages. Um, these were incredibly smart people. And I had people who had problems spelling the word computer. And the class was the was a wide spectrum from all the way, oh my goodness, these people are super smart. These people are way too smart for a help desk tech support phone gig at HAL, supporting the HAL laptops of the time to people who I don't know how they found their way to the office every day. And not surprisingly, the people who couldn't spell, you know, who really didn't understand how computers worked and didn't understand a basic, like, this is what an operating system and how an operating system lands on top of the, the, what a computer does, that hardware is effectively worthless without the software, and this is what, you know, the layer of the operating system and then layer of the software on top of it and blah, blah, blah. This is basics of how a computer works. Those people, one, should have failed out faster and when they didn't everybody at the top of the chain kind of went so i get it we're not expected to do anything here they literally let anybody who could spell computer on their resume wander in the door and they gave them this exact same job i got oh the bar is really low and consequently the people who were smart who could have given so much passion to helping other people with their computers they phoned it in and they eventually left not didn't take too long for them to leave and the people in the middle, and I would count myself in the middle because I did know a little bit but not a lot, they got stuck because it's like, okay, this doesn't fit. That whole class of people to do tech support for computers for HAL over the holiday season, no less, um, we were all gone six months after they hired us, every single one of us. And that was because they didn't say, let's only hire good people. They said, let's hire everybody. They had no hell yeah, hell no approach. They took a very um, command and control business-like approach. They said that we needed X number of butts to take all these calls that we know we're going to have happen. Um, we don't care if they're good or not. All they have to do is pick up the phone and make these people feel like their problems are being heard and occasionally tell them how to reflush, reflash their BIOS, which I've told more people to, re to flash their BIOS um, than ever needed to, um, a trick I've never done since. They just thought they needed the butts and seats, and they didn't know how to pay for it. They didn't know how to, how to value it or how to, how to find it. They had an agency just bring people in, and they trained them, and that was enough. Didn't help them, and consequently, Hal sold that entire division to a Chinese company. <laughs> not, not saying we had anything to do with that. Um, but that's the problem. You either go hell yeah, or you go hell no. That is the goal of hiring and recruiting. 
And every step of the funnel, every step of the funnel has a hell yeah and hell no moment. So when you're looking at your recruiting and wondering what's going on and why am I not getting great people, look at each step and say, what am I giving people for them to say hell yeah to? Because the chances are you're giving them very little to say hell yeah to. You're trying to keep it vague or broad or true for everybody instead of as granular as people are, and you're getting mush mouth. You're getting broad generalizations, and no one says hell yeah to a broad generalization. They don't. just doesn't happen. So you got to focus on the hell yeah. And frankly, you got to embrace the hell no. That's the gig. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you uh, learned something, had a good time. Tell your friends. Review us on, hey, if you've uh, downloaded the new version of um, uh, the iOS operating system, it's literally the easiest thing in the world to throw a couple stars our way. I would really appreciate it if you did. It's really, You don't have to do anything. You're in the app. Just hit the stars. Just do the thing. I would really appreciate it that I really do and if you throw a review in that's fantastic too but you don't have to log on to your computer anymore to do it which is just an absolutely crazy ask um, otherwise uh, take a listen to the, the, the webinar and the pod the webinars that are coming out I've got another uh, double webinar coming out through career arc soon to be announced and uh, yeah there you go so thanks for listening and I'll talk to you probably next week bye